Okay, so um, it's good to see everyone. Um, this morning, the, the word I've got really um, is a phrase I've had in my head for about three weeks, and uh, where it kind of fits at the end of the year, um, beginning of a new year, is really to, um, I think this is why it's key for us, because God is moving us on as a church, and so we need, it's a good way of just sowing that thought into our minds that we we exist for a purpose. God has a purpose for us as a church, and we're moving forward in that. And, uh, and I believe that there are certain things that we need to be encouraged by or even uh, aware of that in order for us to move forward confidently in the Lord. And it's, um, so I really feel to speak about that. The other, the other reason I'm going to speak about this because I don't have anything else. And um, if you haven't got anything else, you can't just pick up any verse, otherwise you feel like you're doing it in your own strength. So this is, I believe this is a word from the Lord. So, Amen. It's good to uh, hear what the Lord is saying, isn't it? Yeah. Always. Um, so this, when the cloud moves on, is a reference, if you uh, are, know about your um, Bible history, um, if you go back to the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they entered into the Promised Land. And one of the ways in which that they knew the, uh, the leading of the Lord was a cloud would rest on top of the tabernacle. And at night, it would, have, it would look like fire. Um, and I'm just going to read that passage to you, just so you know that this is from the Bible. It's um, Romans, uh, sorry, Numbers 9, 15 to 23. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. The tabernacle, if you don't know, was the tent of meeting, or it says here in the tent of the testimony. It was a kind of like the meeting place between um, man and God. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped, and at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses." So if you can imagine, picture this. I mean, you're carrying your tents, your tabernacle, all your livestock, everything in the wilderness and you arrive and the cloud stops, you set up camp and then in the morning the, the cloud rises, you've got to go back, you've got to go undo, undo your tents, you've got to set down the tabernacle and then you're off. You never know how long you're going to be in a place, you're just watching the cloud. And, and they could be in this place, it could be a dry land, or it's, you know, they're in a very wet land, it's pouring with rain, they're in their tents, 
If you've ever been camping, you know what it feels like. It's just literally being obliterated. There's a hurricane coming and you're looking out and the cloud's not rising and you've just got to sit there and wait until the cloud lifts. And this was their situation. They went by the cloud and they followed the cloud. And when the cloud moves on, they moved on. And they might have been in the most, can you imagine setting up camp? There's an oasis there. There's a lovely big lake of water. There's palm trees, there's fruit trees or whatever. There's great grazing air and they land, you know, they camp up there. What a wonderful place. And they're there for weeks and weeks, really enjoying it. And then the cloud rises and they've got to leave. And they just have to trust the Lord that where they're going next is all part of God's plan for them as they uh, wander to the... Um, to the promised land. And so when, when I, uh, we, I think about this, I want us to think a bit about our church as that travelling community. Um, you know, I've said it often, the church is a movement, not a monument. In other words, if we're, if we're not moving and we stop, we just, often what happens is we just start to celebrate what we are there and then and we just become this monument in the sand. And in the end, there are so many ruins that you can go and visit that become monuments in the sand. And... Um, and so I th- this is really what I want to share about. And it's, I'm a great believer that um, God is building a church for the future. And that will always be the case. God would always build for the future. Um, he's not maintaining a church of the past. He's building for the future. And what, when we look back at this year and we look, well, what has God built in our church? What have we seen? And we've seen some wonderful things. We've gone through a lot of change. We've had, we've changed in our leadership. We've Tim moving on at the beginning of the year. We've seen uh, the deacons amongst us taking on more and more responsibility, running areas of the church. If you haven't noticed that, that's a good sign. Because um, often when you notice it, it can be because things aren't going well. But it's a good sign things have been going great. Last week when we had the kids' nativity, seeing Hannah and Mark particularly running that's because they've been so involved in the kids' work over this year. Um, with the community work and the cafe. We've seen the cafe go from strength to strength and we ended really well at the end of the year. We're still building on that and we'd love to see a building out there in that plot of lawn there. So we want God to build in many practical ways as well as building the church. And it's great to see new people amongst us as God is building this church. Um, and so it's wonderful to see how God is building and, and, and I, I'm a builder. That's how I identify my part in God's plan. I love to build things. It doesn't necessarily mean that I know how to build them, but I like making stuff. Um, and, um, and practically as well as um, I trust being involved in God's spiritual building work. And so um, it's, we have this wonderful time. I feel like we're in a really happy place. We're in a really good place. I trust this is your experience that you've been encouraged in this year. Um, going by your face, I can see you're overjoyed with what God's been doing. Oh, there it is. There it is. I knew it was there somewhere. Um, but are we ready to move? Are we ready to move? So we're going into 2019. It's interesting, Alan, talking about the backstop. It's all about the backstop, 2019, March 2019. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in January when they vote? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? All these kind of things, all this uncertainty and everything. But for us as a church... We have this wonderful rock of ages. And um, I don't know who was prayed, prayed in the prayer meeting this morning. I think Alan might have prayed it about, um, or maybe I read it, I'm not sure, Jesus being the rock. Ah, oh, Nikki prayed it, sharing with someone um, about God who loves us, but he's also the rock. We build our lives on the rock. Amen, isn't that wonderful? So, 
But these, these, um, the children of Israel are a wonderful example for us because they were moving forward. God was always intending to move, move them forward and there was no going back. In fact, there was a time, you can read it in Exodus, you don't have to go to it, in Exodus 16, where they grumbled and things were getting a bit tough for them. Maybe they were in a dry patch where they were hungry. They were a bit fed up with the food that was an option. They started to think back at the better days of when they were in slavery, being beaten and abused. But they, at least they had hot food that they could sit around at the fire at the end of night. Because isn't it amazing? When you look back, you always remember the good stuff often, but you forget the bad stuff. And they were like that. And God, God challenged them. He didn't destroy them at that point. But nevertheless, he challenged them. And... and um, I think part of that is because we have to believe God is always taking us somewhere better. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Psalm 23, which is a wonderful journey psalm. How the the Lord leads us from the field to the palace or from following to dwelling. Let's read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we see how God is leading us. He's leading us. We call ourselves followers of Jesus because he's leading us. Amen? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God often takes us through valleys or shadows of death where there is evil all around us. But yet, we're not just following him. He's, if the way I picture it in my, in my head, he's come back, he's standing side by side and he's walking with me. You can see that word there, that God is with me. He's not just ahead of me, he's with me. And it goes on, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What a wonderful promise, isn't it? There's, there's a, I don't know what this, how this looks like because I think God is always leading us, he's always with us, but we know that everywhere we go, blessing comes with us. It follows us wherever we go. And that's something that we can be encouraged by. This year, when we look ahead this year, and I don't know what you're thinking about with Brexit and all these kind of things, but I know that God, not only if I follow God, that he's with me, but everywhere and everything I do, he will bless me in it. Financially, he will bless me. Work-wise, he will bless me. And he will bless you as we follow him. doesn't matter what's going on in our country because it determines what he's doing in me. And then it says this, and this is the uh, very last line, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's gone from the green pasture into the palace, the dwelling place of God. And that's the journey that God has for us individually and as a church. He's got a place for us. But individually we can say, my goal and my desire for this year ahead is that I may dwell in his house forever. And that signifies knowing his presence more that I know God, the more I'm aware of the lack of the world and the vileness of sin and the joy of God. I don't know if you're aware of that. Backsliding is when we start to reverse that. 
We start to be attracted by the world. We start to compromise and sin, and we lose the desire of God. So <clears throat> what happens when the cloud moves on? Uh, I, you know, thinking about this, and the reason I'm thinking about this is because I believe that God is moving us on as a church. Um, and practically, that remains to be seen in the next, you know, as, as we enter this year. But um, I think the reason this is on my heart is because there's a, there's a very um, easy way of not moving on, not noticing that the clouds moved. I had this question, why do churches die? You know, we're really blessed here. It's lovely to see us all here and love to see visitors as well. It's always good to see you. But um, love to see Abigail. She's come a long way from Australia to come and visit us this morning. Um, but why do churches die? You know, if you're in any kind of leadership or if you're in any kind of church, we, we need to be aware, why do churches die? Why do churches close down? Why do churches grow and flourish? What is it that is particularly unique to that situation? And I think it's because when the cloud moves on, people don't notice. So if the cloud's moving on, we need to know. Um, and what are the warning signs that the cloud's moved on and we haven't noticed? So it might be a bit negative, but this is all I've got um, this, this morning. Um, but what's interesting as well, and I was thinking about this point, because for the Israelites, when... When the cloud moved on, it revealed to them that God had moved on. And, <clears throat> and I want you to try to picture this in our context, that uh, God can want us to move into a new place as a church, and if we don't move, he's no longer blessing what we're doing. He's moved on, and he wants to take us with him. But I was thinking this, and, and I was thinking this in the meeting, I've written it down, you're going to love this. Flowers grow in the footprints of God. That's profound, isn't it? Flowers grow in the footprints of God. What is it about a footprint? Anyone? Can you, can you imagine this? God's not there. But where he's been, often you see that flowers grow. Because Can you imagine God walking across a desert and every footprint, when he leaves it, life just comes up in his footprint because everywhere he goes, he leaves a shadow of his blessing he leaves life with him. But he's not there. And I think that sometimes in churches, there can be lots of footprints, but God isn't there. And there's life, that, or things are going well. But after a while, because the life isn't there all the time, the flowers start to wither, and in the end they die, because life's got to continue there. And so when the cloud moves on, we need to move on with him. Amen? But what happens when, or why do churches die? Now, you young people are dying for this question to be answered. I can see it in your faces. So I've got, I've got some, uh, um, some, just some points that I want to run through that will, I, I hope will, inc will help us to recognise where we are not. Does that make sense? Rather than this is where we are. This is the first one. Spiritual activity becomes natural activity. See, we start doing what we've always done, um, getting caught up in the activity rather and missing the heart of why we're doing it. In other words, duty and tradition rather than worship and sacrifice. We start to get on and do things. And this is, this is an interesting point. We are at a point 
um, in our church life where we are having to trust God on some very key things. The cafe is one of them. Our church finances is another. We are needing to trust God. We can't not trust God because we have no backup. And in your life, if you have not got any reason to trust God, then I want to challenge you to step into an unknown place in order that you have to trust God. Because when you don't have to trust God, you don't have to live by faith, you can very easily just activate just the natural life. Many people talk about one of the, one of the um, most neglected, and we talk about it in our church, I know, so one of the most neglected areas of church life is the prayer meeting. Now, now, it's not entirely true. Actually, it's prayer that is the most neglected activity, but often we see it in a church context in a prayer meeting. But one of the most um, difficult things, if not nine impossible things, it's not impossible, but nearly impossible to do, naturally, is pray. Because in the end, it's just it's too difficult. That's my personal experience. But to engage spiritually in that, in faith, in believing, in trusting, in listening, in desiring God, in loving God in prayer, you have to do spiritually. But this thing, spiritual activity becomes natural activity. One of the ways in which natural activity has its... Um, Fullness is when the church becomes all about me. Consumer church. So that spiritual, that's the first thing. Spiritual activity becomes natural activity. Leadership becomes management. Leadership is about pressing forward into the new, into the unknown. It's building for the future. It's engaging the whole church in that. And when leadership becomes management, it's not about the future. It's about maintaining the uh, church life that we know it in order essentially to keep people happy. Yeah? Leadership is about pressing forward. Management is about maintaining. I'm not a manager. Don't want me as a manager. Well, I, I, I guess I might be able to do that. But if, for me, if, even in the role of the cafe, and Angela will, I'm sure, will, will say this, for me, it's about where we're we going next. So my role in the cafe is business development. That's how I, I if you ask me, what is my, your role in that? It's business development. How do we develop this? How do we move forward? How do we go somewhere? Because I'm not a manager. I will be bored doing the same old thing. Isn't that right, Angela? Mission becomes maintenance. In other words, the church mission, our mission as a church is to, is to love this community, is to reach out into the world, is to invite people in, is to show, share with them the gospel, share our testimony. As a church, it's to show Jesus. It's when people are coming into this cafe, it's to be an example of what Jesus is like. That's our mission, to reach the world, to go into all the world and make disciples. But when mission becomes maintenance, it becomes about how do we keep what we've got here? So we start to dumb down what we're teaching to make people happy. We start to um, ignore the mission. And mission to the unsaved becomes lost. And this leads to the, second, to the fourth one. The church insulates rather than innovates. You should write these down. These are very good, I think. 
I didn't get these off the internet. The church insulates instead of innovates. In other words, we start to spend our energies protecting ourselves from the world rather than thinking of new ways to engage ourselves with the world. And one of, the, one of the things I find even now when I hear some people, not just in this church, but is, that, is a fear of infection of the world and they forget the verse that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mission becomes disconnected from church life and it makes, it makes the bridge from someone in the community or non-church such a big step to become into church because we become so insulated we become separate so much when it says, go into all the world and make disciples. Number five, younger leaders leave the church. In the, um, the, we, as, for many of you might not remember these days, but as, as a church, we originated in a group of churches that we fondly knew of the fellowships. Um, and today, many of those fellowships do not exist because there was a time when a lot of the younger generation left those churches. Not all of them. All these points are quite generalised. There's, sure, there's an exception to the rule, but, but they left the churches. And one might argue because those who are in leadership did not make room for them, did not step aside. In fact, this church, like a few of the churches, was um, with my dad stepping down from leadership I think at the time he was the only leader to have stepped down from leadership in the fellowships in order to make room for the younger generation. And that wasn't easy for this church. Alan was very much involved in that transition. It was a difficult thing to do. But succession planning has to be thought of on a regular basis. And I'm really blessed. And we should be really encouraged by the younger generation because I'm, I'm no spring chicken anymore. I can't spring out of bed anymore. My legs have to warm up on the way to the loo because I have to go to the loo first thing every time because I'm of that age. I know I don't look it. <laughs> What's that? All right. <laughs> but my heart, and I know for Daniel and, and, and Alan as well, is, is to see our younger leaders step up, make room for them. And, and that's where, you know, with our deacons, that's what, particularly for them, but not just our deacons. Um, and the presence of God leaves the church. See, the question is, would you notice if God left the church? Or would you just be recognising flowers in the footprints of God? As I said earlier, if we don't need to trust God every day, then we can stop listening for God. See, it's easy to forget God. If we do things in our own strength, then we start to disconnect from God. Compromise becomes easier. In the end, we become so deadened in our conscience, we lose all sensitivity to God. And we're not moved by him. See, spiritual activity becomes natural activity. Are you, are you, you, know, you can use these personally if you want. Is it all about the natural for you? You could think, I've got some points for, for some nat uh, personal things, but um, this, in my view, is when the cloud moves on, we naturally move to our natural resources. We lose our sense of direction, our purpose, where we're going as a church. 
and the presence of God leaves the church. See, when I, I look ahead and say, you know, we talk about this uncertainty ahead in, in our country, um, but we follow Jesus. There's no, it's already been said, as, as Alan, I think, said it as well, in, we have this backstop, which is our Father. And, um, and he loves us, he's for us, he's building something for us, he's planned something for us before the foundation of the world. Um, but I want to encourage you to listen now, is the cloud moving? Do you witness something in your heart that the cloud is moving and that we need to move with him? And, uh, and I want us to consider this personally as well because all, the, all these things relate to us as a church, but there are certain things I think that relate to us personally. And again, you know, we're about to, we're coming into New Year's resolution time, aren't we? So why not have some New Year's resolutions? This year I'm going to um, succeed, whatever that means. Um, but here are, some, here are some warning signs. Love becomes duty. So again, sorry this is coming from a negative perspective, but um, when we start, when the cloud moves on and we move away from God or we don't realise that God's moved on, we've not moved with him, love becomes duty or the what is more important than the why. What you're doing is more important than why you're doing it. So you might be giving your, you know, your money each, each week in the collection, uh, but you have no reason, no, you've lost the reason of why. Why? Gra uh, grace becomes legalism. This, we start to become very judgmental on ourselves. We forget the grace and the love of God. We forget that God's the backstop, that if I stumble, he's there to catch. We forget that actually, do you know what? What God is leading in someone else uh, might, is not what God is doing in us. We become the, uh, what is it, the speck viewers, um, uh, you know, the parable um, or what Jesus said, um, don't, don't point out the speck in your brother's eye. First deal with a plank in your own eye. We become speck viewers. Oh, you know, such and such. That leads to judgmentalism. Me becomes more important than you. We become selfish. We start to get into, you know, um, argue our side of things and what we want, what we need to do and what, what's better for me. Prayer stops. Because it's a spiritual activity and... And, that, and it's just too hard. It's too hard. I don't have time for it anymore. Worship becomes experience. In other words, it's the experience which is more important to me rather than the praises for God. We compromise on sin. In other words, we give place to sin. We start to realise, actually, do you know what? It's okay because God loves me. Or we don't even think about it. Because we've not been reading our Bible anymore, so there's nothing to challenge us. We've not been listening in the meetings, or we've been blocking our ears when the preacher starts to give a challenging word. And we lose vision. We've got no vision where God is taking you personally. Or what he's doing in our lives. You have a vision for what God is doing in your life and where he's taking you. So it's one thing, our vision as a church, but there's also a vision we can have in our, in our own lives. There's something in your heart that's stirring, that's saying, I know that God is wanting to grow me in this area of my life, or he wants me to become free in worship, or he wants me to step into this. I realise where he's challenging me at the moment. I can see there's a purpose to this. 
I can see that he wants me to go and step out into this area of work or life or ministry or mission. You know, can you, is there something that you can see that is your thing that God is wanting to do in you, with you, through you? So how do we guard against these things? We do uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, which says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you realise this about yourselves, that Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Not a lot of people like that verse. But what it means is this. It says, Lord, will you search my heart? Will you, will you cause me to love you? And not just be dutiful. Will you cause me to know your grace and just to fall back on you and ask you to work in me? Will you cause me to be less thinking about myself and more about others, particularly you? Will you, will you help me to pray? Will you come and give me disciplined times of prayer where I don't give up after a few minutes because my mind's wandering, but I set my face to pray and to seek you and to listen. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, I want to worship you, whatever, even if I get nothing out of the meeting. I'm here for you. And your prayer can say, Lord, will you give me a hatred for sin? How many times do we pray that? Will you cause me to hate sin and to cling to what is good? I think that's a verse in Romans. And Lord, give me a vision this year for what you want to do in my life. So over these next three days of prayer and fasting, if you uh, have forgotten this, this week, we've got three days of prayer and fasting. I encourage you to, to take part of that, even if you spend a whole day fasting or three days or whatever. Or, but we're going to be meeting to pray in the evenings, um, particularly. That's, um, I'm sure Daniel will give a bit more information later. But, um, but in these three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is an opportunity. Is, has the cloud moved? And are we ready to up camp and move? Has the cloud moved in your life? Are you ready to up camp and move? Or have you got comfortable? But it's such a comfortable time, Lord, in the church. It's lovely. The coffee's great. But what if the cloud's moved? That coffee will not be good. I don't believe that God blesses that which he has moved away from. Only for a time, a flower's growing in the footsteps. Of the... Can we tweet that or something? I don't know. <laughs> but day one, this is what I want to encourage you to do. In day one, focus on your relationship with God and just seek him. Say, Lord, will you speak into my life about my relationship with you? On Wednesday, it's about me and you. I want to be right with you. I want to be led of you. I want to go with you. I want to know you more. Whatever your heart's cry is, spend that day focusing on, on your up relationship, yours and God's. And then day two, I want to encourage you to do this. Pray about your relationship with the church, this church. Lord, I want to pray for the church. I want to be a blessing for the church. I want to give to the church of my time, my energy. Lord, will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you... Speaking, I want to pray for individuals in the church. I want to listen for a word for the church. In that time, it's you listening. And maybe God's going to give you the word that's going to confirm something in someone's life, if not for the whole church. And then on day three, our relationship with the world. Lord, we pray for our community. 
We pray for the people around us. We pray for people in their families, in our workplaces. In that, Lord, what is your heart for vision, of, you know, for the mission of this church? And praying into that and listening to God. Do a lot of listening. Don't worry if you're having to sit there for, for an hour in silence, not knowing what to say. It's a wonderful place to be in where you just sit and listen and think on the things of God. Use the Bible, think on verses, listen to what he's saying, write things down. Let's engage with God over these next three days because, as I'm saying, I believe that the cloud's moving, but we need to believe that the cloud's moving and we need to be ready for that. So I want to conclude with this. Let's start this year. There's a verse. I wish I could remember where it was. Um, it's about the building of the temple, and it says something, oh, I can't remember it at all, about the willing heart. Never mind. Um, but let's start with this heart's desire. Lord, give me a willing heart that I may go where you send me, that I might move as you move. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I just want to thank you that you are a wonderful God who has such great and amazing adventures for us as a church. And I want to thank you where we're at right now. We look back at this year and we celebrate all that you have done. We give thanks for all that you have done this year. All the people that we are engaging with that do not know you. Lord, the numbers of people that come into this building, Lord, over this last year has been phenomenal. Lord, our, our connection with people that, that do not know you or people from outside this church, Lord, it's, we're at a point now, Father, where we need to engage more with them, Lord, build relationships with them. There's a wonderful opportunity that we're moving into. And Lord, Father, thank you for what you're doing in this place, in our lives, in our meetings, in our, in our family life together. Lord, we want to pray for extra blessing, Lord, that you would add to us, Lord, add to this body. Lord, will you raise up leaders and workers and ministers and servants and people that are hospitable, gatherers of people, evangelists, preachers, teachers. Lord, we want to see this church rich with people that are involved in the mission of God. Lord, you have everything that you need. Lord, we're not having to bring anything to the party but ourselves. Lord, will you come and move in this place as we enter this new year? Lord, and thank you for whatever's going on outside, whatever's going on in our country. We pray for it. We ask, Lord, that you would move, that you would do what's uh, caused the politicians to do what's right. Lord, whatever our political bias, Lord, you do what you believe is right, we pray. Lord, that we may be those that are responding to people, loving people and seeing the kingdom, Lord, expand, particularly in Elton. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And I want to pray, Lord, for us. Lord, give us a sensitivity to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Lord, in these days, in Jesus' name, amen.